This is Five and Nine, a podcast at the crossroads of magic, work, and economic justice. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3. Maybe like four years ago, I was painting my nails red in the dream, and I woke up the next day and I was like, I kind of, I remember like liking the feeling and liking the way it looked. And I was like, well, why don't I just paint my nails red in waking life too? And I did. And like, that was like a turning point for me where it was like, there are ways to like really intentionally, like, you know, have your waking life feel as powerful as your dream life and and just kind of notice how they are totally in conversation with each other all the time. And to just really like, Respect your dream world. Hi, everyone. This is Anna Mina, a.k.a. On Show, producer at Five and Nine. This is Xiaowei Wang, creative director and director of magic. You just heard Amira Shade Moody. As we continue season three's Themes of Rest, we take a journey into the world of dreams with Amira as our guide. In this episode, we talk about what it means to integrate the dream life and waking life and how to build a dream circle with friends. We also close with a live dream exploration led by Amira, and I try my hand at it as well with their help. Here's how they describe themselves on their website, titled Delicate Chaos. A person, sort of. There's a sneaking suspicion she's not from this planet, but for the sake of keeping this simple, we'll go with person. A queer black visual artist person called Amira Shade. We'll start with an inspiring story from Amira about how they arrived at this type of work, reminding us that following spirit might lead us down unexpected roads in our careers, and those roads bring lessons for all of us as we seek to build our livelihoods. More information about our guests, resources, and images of their art can be found at thisis5and9.com. The music for this episode is Golden Dreams, performed by Chris Chapman in 1907. It's music that would have been listened to around the time of the creation of the Rider Wade Smith deck, one of the most popular and influential tarot decks in the world. First of all, thank you so much, Amira, for doing this. Thank you for coming along on this journey. You know, I always say this, like our conversations are a journey and maybe like a portal (laughs) to a different universe. I think I knew about your work as an artist, um, your watercolor work, before I ever met you. We finally got to meet and there's just so many layers of hearing about your path as a filmmaker, as an artist, as a writer, as someone who worked at Space Camp. (laughs) And I'm curious if you could take our listeners down that journey a little bit of how you got to where you are now. First of all, I want to say like, thank you so much for even like reaching out to me and thinking to have me on this podcast. The first thought that just came up was like my first thought is like when I was like a baby crawling up the stairs behind my mom and I saw a penny on the staircase and it was like in the sun and it was lit like it was lit by the sun and I remember just finding that having this moment of like this is beauty or this is something that I want to take in and I literally took it in like I ate the penny like I swallowed the penny <laughs> and that's like <laughs> where I feel like honestly like this journey started of me like how do I embody beauty how do I embody these things that I 
that are like catching my attention and how do I express them? I never really thought about honestly until this moment of like, where did this all start? But like, that's like my earliest memory. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll like fast forward to like growing up as a kid and being into like movies and like storytelling and like being really wowed by that and like just wowed by expression. I think I'm truly just so fascinated by the human experience and like our ability to think and feel and dream. So I've just been fo like following that, following this pull to, to express what it is to be human. I feel like I've definitely heard from some people like, oh, I don't have any dreams mm -hmm. or like, I can't remember my dreams. Mm -hmm. And when we're in that dream group mm -hmm. with a different mutual friend, mm -hmm. it was really incredible and it was really cool to just see like how powerful dreams were for like all three of yeah. us because I feel like through that discipline of dream work and I remember these things like placing like a glass of water by your mm -hmm. head to like capture hold the dream I think at some point we we're all drinking like dream tea and <laughs> yeah. working with mugwort yeah. writing down your dreams immediately mm -hmm. the more you try to recall your dreams the more you'll remember mm -hmm. them and stuff around like sleep hygiene mm -hmm. in our dream circles now a few weeks ago we were talking about how cultivating a dream mm -hmm. life is also about cultivating like a really beautiful waking mm -hmm. life as well. Mm -hmm. And I just love that. Like, I, I love that idea and the, like, waking and this dream life. It's, like, not so different yeah. in many ways. Yeah. 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 Maybe, like, four years ago, I was painting my nails red in the dream. And I woke up the next day and I was like, I kind of, I remember, like, liking the feeling and liking the way it looked. And I was like, well, why don't I just paint my nails red in waking life, too? And I did. And like, that was like a turning point for me where it was like, how can I cultivate my waking life to feel as powerful and as beautiful as like my dream world? There are ways to like really intentionally like, you know, have your waking life feel as powerful as your dream life and, and just kind of notice how they are totally in conversation with each other all the time. And to just really like respect your dream world. I've really just been going with what experience kind of drives me the most or what, yeah, what I feel most drawn towards. And so right after I graduated, I worked, I worked in film. I worked in casting actually in New York city and it was like really intense. And I was so not ready for that. And I also was like, I need to get as far away from concrete and all of this as I can. And like, I just like need to connect with the earth. That's all like, it was just this like really strong thought and feeling like connect with the earth. I never gardened or farmed or anything. Like I love nature. Like at that point I was like, I love nature. I love plants, but I, I haven't really like gotten my hands into the earth. I like went and worked on a farm in Hawaii. Didn't know anything. Never been to Hawaii. Did it through woofing the worldwide opportunities on organic farms, I believe is what it, the acronym stands for. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I stayed for almost a year farming and just like, yeah, really keeping my hands in the dirt and like being near the ocean and 
it was like the right move. Like whatever calling I was following, whatever like download I got from the universe to go there, like was just, it was right. Like it was the most insane experience. Again, like I'm breezing through all of the drama on that farm, but (laughs) it was like absolutely where I needed to be. And then that kind of brought me closer to my spirituality or like got me really curious about like, okay, what just happened? Like I got this message, this feeling to like come out here and to listen to and like follow that whatever voice. I'm like, what is it? God, a voice, like energies. Like, I don't know. Like, let me, let me follow that. So after farm drama, I left, went back to New York, but I was like, I'm not gonna, I don't want to get, I don't want to be stuck into like one job, like this nine to five job that I had. I was like, the last place I'm going to go is back to Virginia. Like if I end up back in Virginia, something's not right. Like I know that I'll feel like I'm moving backwards kind of thing. I ended up back in Virginia. Like I (laughs) didn't. The universe. (laughs) At my parents' house, I had all this time on my hands. I started reading that book, Happiness Hypothesis. And it, it's funny. I haven't thought about it in a while, but it was such a, it was actually a really big moment for me. The way that they were connecting ancient wisdom and, and like modernity, like just modernness. I'm using all the wrong words, but I was like, huh, Mm. I need to, I need to tap into some ancient wisdom, I think in order to move forward. I just remember thinking like, yeah, like my spirituality is kind of what I, I think I need to just dive in there. Like not, let me not think about like what, what job I need to have next. What, what thing I need to produce next. Like, I think what I need to do is like go in and check in with my spirit and like see what's Mm. up. So I went to this center. It's called Omega Institute Mm. and they, Mm. yeah, there's just a bunch of spiritual workshops and yoga retreats and etc etc as everything there's drama that comes up wherever we go (laughs) the nature of being human (laughs) i remember like i remember when i left new york i was thinking like oh new york is where the drama is like i just need to be out of here when i left the city the first time and then i went to the farm and there was drama there i was like what is it like it was like it just had dawned on me in my early 20s that like being (laughs) alive means that there are going to be conflicts there are going to be things that arise and there's going to be drama and so I think I found myself trying to run away from drama and then kept running into it like I'm like okay this spiritual center there's not gonna be drama there for sure and then I was like oh my god okay I was like it's here and it's in me too like there's my internal dramas and then this is when like the painting started. How do I express this? How do I move this? How do I understand this? I hadn't really, really intentionally like sat down and like, was like, I'm going to create from like this internal drama conflict. I don't think I even consciously said that where I was like, I want to create from this place, but it just started to happen. You know, it's like you start with like a wash and then you do this and you do that. And then I just was like doing some other stuff and you're like, the, the spirit is flowing through me. They don't teach you that in class. Yeah. It's not on the syllabus. Exactly. exactly. 
I started on this tiny piece of like, probably like two inches by three inch paper, like so small, started just going. And then I had all these little like card sized pieces that I was just like expressing on. And so was, the relief from that was there. And I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to go with it because I feel good. The feedback from people was also really, really good. Like I, I didn't expect it at all. Like I didn't expect people to like find what I was doing interesting and like want like a card I was just like <laughs> the spirit was moving me and I was like okay mm. yeah here we go with watercolors mm-hmm. and your watercolor practice mm-hmm. are you called delicate chaos Mm -hmm. how did you end up transitioning into dream work two things happened like when I was at Omega exploring the watercolor stuff I also started to like just kind of inch into dream work as well I read this book years and years ago called many lives many masters basically about reincarnation And it was by this author, Brian Weiss. And Hmm. he happened to be speaking at Omega when I was there. And he did this like meditation on like past lives, kind of like bringing you back into like a past life. And I was there my 30th birthday. He was there and I went and did this meditation and like had these visuals of like a past life. Then at that point is when I started to kind of recognize some locations and things in my dreams that like I had kind of seen in this like past life meditation. And so I started to dive deeper into, okay, what's up with my dreams? What's up with dreams in general? And then out of nowhere, I see this post somewhere on the internet. It was called dream work for healing for people of color it was led by Indigo Sam. I took this dream work workshop and it was one of the first spaces that I felt like I actually had so much to say. Like I had so much, so much like connection with, with like the dream world and with other folks who had been dreaming so vividly for like in general for like dream recall. And I also want to note like this is a lot of stuff that I've just learned from Indigo, who's like basically my dream mentor, things that I've read by Robert Moss, really. Dream recall, like just having great sleep hygiene, which is like the classic, like no screens an hour before bed. Honestly, just having that intention to like, I'm going to remember my dream when I wake up. And then my favorite thing that I like to share is like to title your dreams. Like that really helps just to keep it contained and like, alive like it has a title it has like a name it has weight and so when I wake up I'll lay there and I'll let the dream kind of float around for a bit before I even open my eyes and then whatever words and like or like feelings or any really vivid thing that happened in the dream come up I just kind of form it into like a like a short title one that in our a dream circle that Shao and I had was zombie boy loves his life <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite titles. 
Um, so good. And so, like, yeah, titling them. And then when we get to this part of, like, exploring them and sharing them with another person, when you're sharing the dream, share it as, like, start with saying the title. Kind of brings it back to the forefront for you. And then share the dream as if you're actually in it. You know, instead of saying, I was in the pool, you would say, I'm in the pool. I'm doing this, blah, 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 blah. And then after you share it, and this is one approach, and this I feel like is a nice way to like kind of begin when you're dream exploring. When the person that's listening to the dreamer wants to express back some things, they say it as if it's their dream. You're not like, I interpret this to mean this, and you're giving the dreamer like what your thoughts and ideas are about their dream, you would reflect back to them. So say Xiaowei is like sharing, like, I'm in I'm in the pool and I feel something slither around my ankles. When I'm sharing it back to them, reflecting back, I would say, in my dream or in my version of the dream, I'm in the pool. And when I feel something slither around my ankles, it's making me think that I have a fear of snakes. You're basically sharing your feelings and thoughts about it without attaching it to the uh, the dreamer's experience. And the dreamer has the chance to say like, "Oh, that wow, that really resonates." Or actually, no, that that that's not how it is for me. And it just kind of mm-hmm. creates this like this space to it's like you have the dream on the table and then you can just look at it from all of these different angles and perspectives. Almost always <laughs> something resonates. Some It brings something of the dream out into your waking life that you can told that is tangible and that you can, you can like use in whatever way or like, or just hold because it, you yeah. know, I don't know, like it, it had an answer for you or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, one of the things we were hoping to do with this episode is like a live dream exploration mm-hmm. in whatever way that makes sense. Because I think, I think there's something so interesting about the way you're talking about dreams and this idea that it can shape waking life. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to, and like, Shawe, are you, <laughs> can we use one of your dreams? <laughs> yes, I actually had a really great fresh anxiety dream oh last night. Oh my gosh, night. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um. uh, so my dream last night, I titled it Baby Gate. <laughs> that has, the dream only very loosely has anything to do with baby gates, I guess. But in my dream, I'm about to go to this wedding of two people who they're, you know, I guess these art teachers that were my childhood art teachers and they're like in their 70s now. You know, in waking life, there's no such people <laughs> that I still keep in contact with. But in this dream, you know, I'm like, these are people who are super important to me. They're my elementary school art teachers and they're going to get married even though they're like old. (laughs) And so I'm ready to go to their wedding. You know, it's like really hard to get there. It's kind of like they're getting married kind of at like the Grand Canyon, I guess. Some kind of just like very 
very hard to walk through landscape. And the last step to get to their wedding is that there's like this wooden gate. And I I guess it kind of looks like those baby gates or like pet gates (laughs) that you put up between doors. So there's one on the side, the side of the canyon that I'm on. And then there's another baby gate at the other canyon. And there's just this abyss in between Mm -hmm. these two gates. And I have to jump over these gates. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but it's like, I have to like, open the gates and also jump through them and I'm like I'm not gonna make it I'm not gonna make it to this wedding like this is insane I don't I don't want to do this and so I basically like turn around (laughs) and I just give up and then I go to I go to sit down and there's this dinner and it's a dinner of some people that I know in waking life who are like visual artists. So like filmmakers, this one person who runs a gallery that I know in Waking Life. And I'm sitting down and I'm like, you know, just trying to, like, it seems like they've already gone to the wedding and I'm kind of feeling like, oh, I'm so inadequate. I didn't even try. And then they get, start talking about making art. I like start to speak and then someone just says like, but Xiao Wei, like you're just a writer now. You're not an artist anymore. And then I just like feel extremely anxious. I think some other stuff happens, but then, you know, I at some point wake up and that's, that's what I recall from the dream. From baby gate. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. First of all, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Yeah, I love your dreams so much. All they're they're always so rich with like symbolism. I mean, do you feel that about this one? Um <laughs> I think it's rich with anxiety. It's so funny though, because I feel like your dreams are rich with symbolism, <laughs> but maybe that's just the thing about yeah. like hearing about someone else's dreams. Yeah, yeah, because like like right now like the things that are kind of coming up well first of all baby gate like baby gate baby gate in in conjunction with the the grand canyon that in itself i'm like okay there's <laughs> there it's like that that juxtaposition or just to kind of you know in my dream if it were my dream i'm seeing like the Grand Canyon or this like vast space in nature. And then this small gate that is like, you know, for a baby or some, someone that doesn't understand the concept of like, Oh, there's like a latch here or this thing. I need to open it and go through it. Like a baby, you know, like that, that concept of there being this like small gate in the Grand Canyon and Mm the dreamer, if it were me, like being this like fully formed adult. And I'm thinking like, I can't, I can't get through this gate. I can't, I can't do that. Just that little piece there. I'm, and I feel like I say this every time I'm curious about what, what part of me, like what part of me believes that I can't get through this. And why does that part of me think that like, 
what part of me is the Grand Canyon and what part of me is the baby gate. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah. And that's just that mm. part. And that's why I always say with you, your dreams are so rich because that's just like one tiny part of this whole dream. Then I, I, cause then I wonder about like the two art teachers and them being in their old age. We've got like older, wiser. And then we have like the contrast of like their, but they're my elementary school teachers. And there's this baby gate. Like there's this young, this very youthful, newborn energy in conjunction with this this older wiser energy this grand canyon yeah that's just that's just all I'll say for now because like there's so much and I just yeah I wonder how even hearing that lands with you if it resonates if it doesn't um yeah mm. I something I feel like our listeners to, should know is that in our dream circle, Amira always likes to say like it's like the people or the things that you see in your dream. It's like parts of you. It's like not this external sign from like I mean there are signs, <laughs> but it's also not like you know I need to be afraid of like baby gates and the Grand Canyon <laughs> for the rest of my life. And so I feel like everything you just said, it's unearthing for me, like these ideas around creativity and time. And I think it's something that I've been confronting a lot subconsciously in my career as a creative. It's like, I don't know, you hear about things where it's like, people are like, you know, just the, the fact of getting older or just like bodies changing. And it's like, when you're in your twenties, you can like, just kind of like pull all nighters and like do these like intense adventures mm -hmm. and like, you know, have these stories and like channel and make something from them. And I think over the past few years, like just really feeling like a lot of like health stuff and like, you know, the limitations of my body mm -hmm. as I age. Mm -hmm. And so there's definitely something there that I haven't wanted to like really fully confront, mm -hmm. especially as I think about like, you know, working on this second book and like, you know, that's going to take another two years at least. I've never had to really think about like, well, how does that fit in with like the rest of the things that I need to like do in my life and like sleep and like making, like eating healthy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And I think also just like the leap and, and also, I don't know, like feeling like I don't know how artists make it until they get mm -hmm. old. Like I have one friend who I've been thinking about a lot recently and her parents were both artists and, you know, because they were like both full-time artists, like now being old, I think they struggle a lot because they, you know, they rent their house and it's very precarious. And it's one thing when you're like 20 mm -hmm. to be like, hey, my life is precarious, but it's another to be like, I'm 70 mm -hmm. and I'm like not in good health and I might also not have a place to live mm -hmm. soon. Mm -hmm. Just hearing you s reflect all of that back around time and age mm -hmm. and just different stages 
like I'm really I'm realizing like yeah how so much of this undercurrent of career and creativity and time like Mm -hmm. that's really really alive for me right now but I'm kind of avoiding dealing with it (laughs) so thank you yeah this is you know for me this is literally literally my first time like thinking about this like as like dream exploration and just really really love the conversation between you two about how you do dream circles and discussions and I'm just kind of reactive intuitively to to some of the themes that I saw one of the cruxes that that kind of stood out for me Shelway is the sentence that I think it was the filmmakers said to you, you're just a writer, you're not an artist anymore. And Amir had pointed out this tension between the baby gate and the Grand Canyon. And it makes me think of um, so this new book I've been kind of reading. It's called Awe, um, The New Science of Everyday Wonder and How It Can Transform Your Life by Dr. Keltner. It kind of explores like what what is the purpose of awe? And, and when I think about the Grand Canyon, it's one of those awe-inspiring places. It's It's a place of expansiveness largeness, endlessness. And so why do we feel awe when we see something like that? And it's apparently it's not just about beauty, or it is about beauty, but beauty as indicating that there is this much larger world, but not so that you feel minuscule, but so that you realize you have a purpose in this world. You have a role to play. And it's much larger, much larger than uh, we think we, we are. So much of our daily life is about, you know, kind of rushing to this thing, to that thing, being very self-focused. And these very big things like the Grand Canyon remind us that there's this much larger world, uh, this much larger container than I think we remember. And so when we pause to look at that broader thing, those limitations about are you a writer? Are you an artist? Are you capable of doing things when you're older? Are you capable of doing things when you're younger? Moments of awe, to me at least, they remind me that the answer is all of these things. We are all of these things, and you, shall we have a large role to play um, in this world um, that's much larger than the baby gate and can be as beautiful as, as something like the Grand Canyon. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, this is all, it's also all coming together because I feel like, Amira, when you were talking about being a baby and eating the penny mm-hmm. to like, embody and become beauty itself like this the shine I was like I, I don't know I feel like my brain is just like you know I was so moved when you were talking about that and I feel like now there's this kind of full circle thing about like creative practice and really really letting like spirit come in and like we're the channel and kind of trying like taking a step back to forget all of those labels that are kind of very practical day-to-day structures put onto us so thank you thank you both thank you amira thank you anna yeah thank you thank you for sharing yeah, anna, that was a beautiful reflection too and like um i it's like you said it was your first time really doing that but there is something in all of us like intuitively like when you hear when you hear another person express their dreams like it's speaking to this part of us that knows something I feel and there's like always such beautiful conversation that comes up when we talk about dreams and it just makes me so excited to like to talk about them and to like with both of you and like hear what comes up for you and I just think everybody should share their dreams with each other (laughs) 
Yes. And also I want to plug that Amira holds one-on-one dream sessions. (laughs) (laughs) You should totally sign up with them. Yes, I do love it. And I do host them. A part of like my one-on-one dream explorations is after we've explored your dream, I will paint an expression of your dream and you get to take that with you. Five and Nine is an independent podcast and newsletter at the crossroads of magic, work, and economic justice. This show is produced by Dorothy Santos, Xiaowei Wang, and me, Anna Anxiaomina. While this podcast is always free, if you enjoyed it, we invite you to buy us a virtual cup of coffee. You can subscribe on Substack for just $6 a month. Your contributions support independent, queer, BIPOC media, and you'll get access to paid content. Learn more and find us at thisis5and9.com and on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The closing music for this season is a ragtime episode, composed by Paul Eno and performed by Fred Van Epps in 1911. All our music comes from the Library of Congress's National Jukebox, music that's in the public domain and that would have been popular during the time of the creation of the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, one of the most popular tarot decks in the world. Thanks for listening. Remember to breathe deeply, drink plenty of water, and find a moment of rest amidst the difficulties of these times.